Good morning. If you have your Bibles, open it to open them to Acts chapter 19. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and they will bring one to you. Acts chapter 19. We're going to start at verse 1 and read verses 1 through 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. As Paul went to Ephesus and encountered these disciples, he noticed something, or or perhaps he noticed the lack of something. And it inspired him to ask the question, if they had received the Holy Spirit when they believed. We don't know what it was that prompted him to ask that question. We don't know what he gathered from them that made him want to know, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And their response is, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And he's like, well, what were you baptized into? And they said, John's baptism, which was for repentance. But there was something missing in their lives as disciples. And many times, there are things that are missing in our life, and it's kind of that missing link that's really necessary to make our faith alive. And so this morning, I want to talk about that filling with the Holy Spirit and what it means. I want to talk about what it means. I want to talk about why it's necessary. And I also want to talk about, well, how does it take place? Because I think it is very important that we recognize what is taking place when we say to receive or be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an important process. You see, there are three roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. Jesus talked about this to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 17. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Here Paul makes two distinctions, or Jesus makes two distinctions, excuse me, about the Holy Spirit and his role. He says that he is with you. 
He says later on in John 16, verse 8, that it's the Spirit's world role to convict the world of sin. So the Spirit is with us. The Spirit is around us. He is working on us. But Jesus then says, but later on, he is going to be in you. The with you is the word para. It means around you. In you is the word en. It means inside of you. Later on, in John 20, Verse 22, this is after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. Jesus again said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the word receive is a completed tense. It's not like later on you will. It's like receive it now. And his breathing on them is significant because the word spirit, the word wind, are the same. It's pneuma. The word breath is the same. And so when he said, receive the spirit and breathe on them, he was completing something in them. We know that Jesus had to die for the spirit to come down. He just said that. I must go so that the comforter might come He's with you, but he's going to be in you. This is the completion of what he just said previously in chapter 14. Now he is in you as you have seen and believed in me, the risen Christ, believed in my death for you and that I am alive. My spirit is able to come in you. This is what it means to be born again, born a second time, born anew where the Spirit of God comes within us. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh, it's flesh. There must be a spiritual birth. You must be born again. Spiritually, you must have God's Spirit dwell in you. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is that your body becomes his temple. These are two roles that we see here in these passages. But now what we see in Acts chapter 19 is the third role. And it's a role that we see throughout the book of Acts, and it seems to have a lot of importance. Because Jesus told them, wait in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes upon you which brings the third preposition is a P, which means upon you. And we see some examples of this throughout the book of Acts. And I'm going to read through a few of them, and I've got them just on the, the board here. You can jot them down if you're interested. In John 2, or Acts 2, verse 4, we see Pentecost. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. This was the fulfillment of what Jesus talked about, about them waiting. This is when the church exploded and began. 3,000 were saved that day as Peter gave his message. Acts 4, verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, said to the Sadducees as he spoke to them, as they were questioning him, 
Chapter 4:31 it says after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of god boldly this again is the disciples after persecution had come upon them they prayed the place was shaken they were filled with the spirit that word filled again is that upon a p experience chapter 7 for 455, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He saw the glory of God and Jesus. This is the first martyr. We see that Stephen was filled with the Spirit. 817, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Another time when something similar to what's happening here in Acts 19 took place. Acts chapter 10, verse 44, Cornelius, when Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came upon them who heard the message. This was the Gentile Pentecost, if you will. 13 verse 9, Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimaeus and said, and this is where God actually pronounces a judgment, but first he's filled with the Spirit before he brings this judgment on the sorcerer. 13.52, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And here we are in 19.6. Paul placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So we see this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. And we see that it's something that happened to the disciples there in chapter 2 in Pentecost. It happened to Jesus' mother who was there and a 100 plus that were there in that upper room. But we see it happening to them again and again. It's not something that just happened one time, and it's not something that always involved the speaking of tongues because that becomes such a, a focus point in a controversy. It was an evidence of God working, and we know from chapter 2 that that evidence was actually another language. It wasn't just speaking out in an unknown language. And we went into detail on that a little bit more when we were in chapter 2. But that becomes the focus, but really what should be the focus is this idea of what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And why is it so necessary and why is it taking place throughout the book of Acts? What was it that Paul saw in these people, these disciples in Ephesus, where they looked at him and he talked to them and he said, something's missing here. There's, there's no life. There's no vitality. This is just a religion to you, it seems. You know the information it's very similar to what happened in last chapter with Apollos, who knew about Jesus and could talk about him accurately, but he did not have the Spirit. And you see, the Spirit upon them is so important and is so noticeable that we see it all these times throughout the book of Acts. We see the necessity of it. Jesus told us why the Spirit was to come. At the very beginning of the book of Acts, in chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, there's that word, and you will be my witnesses. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, so that we can be God's example. 
And I don't know what it is. I'm so curious to, to know what about these people did Paul see or not see? Not see, that sounds... Not observe. When he went there, what was it? You know, he comes there and he's full of this joy. There's some disciples here. I, I could talk with them. Hi, you guys. How are you? It's good to see you. We're fine. How are you? You know, I just sense this Eeyore syndrome, you know. Yes, life is great. Hallelujah, brother. You know, I just, what was it that just there was something missing there? There was no life. There was no joy. I mean, one of the, the scriptures that we read about in Acts, it says that they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. There's this connection of joy, this life in God and the Holy Spirit. And so we see that it's something that is necessary for the work of God to move in our lives. It is something that needs to happen because power needs to come upon our lives. And, you know, the, the greatest example of this is Jesus himself. But for power to come upon our lives. Think about it. In Acts chapter 1, when Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, we've got to capture this moment because Jesus has just risen from the dead. The 12 are standing around him and he's talking to them. They're, they're blown away that he's alive, as you would be too. And as they see him there, he, he tells them, you guys, wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit to come upon you. He's going to give you power to be my witnesses. And you're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that's all he says. What would you think? There's 12 of you here, you know, maybe a few more with the ladies that are there as well. And Jerusalem? He starts off, his smallest denominator is a city. He doesn't say you're going to be witnesses to your family, to your friends, to the people at work. He starts off, Jerusalem, and then Judea, that whole region, and then outside of your region to the ends of the earth. And there's 12 of you. I'd be wondering, like, okay, so, like, what's the game plan? You know, do you have this written down somewhere, what we're to do next? You know, are we, take an ad out in the paper, maybe radio? What, what were we supposed to do? Concerts? You know, what's the next step? And he just leaves them there as if, I've told you enough. The city, it's yours. And this region, it's yours. And beyond that, this world, you're going to reach it for me. No other instructions. No other information. And then he leaves. What would you do next? I'd be looking at the other guys going, okay, who's in charge now? What do we do? What, what's our next step? You know, should we have a fundraiser? What, what do we do? I, I'm, I would wonder, what's, if Jerusalem's our next step, there's got to be something between the 12 of us and Jerusalem, right? There's got to be another step here somewhere. But what is the step? Jesus said, wait till the Spirit comes then you will receive power. 
And you see, Jesus said, it, for this to take place, for you to reach Jerusalem and the world, what needs to take place is you need to wait for the Spirit to come and empower you. It's funny how we can get strength when we feel like we don't have it. Have you ever been so tired? My kids used to do this all the time. Hey, can you take the trash out? Oh, get it tomorrow. I'm tired. You know, just, man, I'm dead. I can't do anything right now. I'm just, I'm gone. I'm just, come on, I'll get it tomorrow. And then their friend texts them, hey, you want to go see X-Men Origins Wolverine Midnight Showing? Oh, yeah, you know, the energy level goes, and they recharge. All of a sudden, something I want to do, and I can do it. I found the strength. I found the will. It's a miracle. How can it be? I remember my son, Daniel, when he was going to go with us to a, a trip, a mission trip to Wales. This kid cannot wake up. You can shake him. I mean, you just rattle him. Get up, get up. And he'll, oh, it's like, you know, something's wrong. He's in an altered state of being. Something's going on. It doesn't matter. You just shake him, pour. You have to throw water on him, and he'll still go back to sleep wet. I mean, just, he doesn't seem to care. And I remember he was up really late that night, packing, all excited, because he's going to fly on a plane for the first time. We're going to go over to, you know, Europe. And he's excited about the whole trip. We had to get up early in the morning because we had to make our way to the group and then go to LAX where we were going to meet another group. And it was like 4.35 o'clock in the morning. I know he only got like maybe two hours sleep. And I knock on the door. I go, hey, Daniel, it's time to get up. And he's sitting there asleep. Now, this guy, again, sound asleep, nothing touches him. And all of a sudden, I say, Daniel, it's time to get up. And the smile comes up on his face. And he sits up. As if he was, yes, of course, Father. It's like, who are you, you know? What child is this? You know, this, that has never happened, but something he wanted so mad. I, I mean, something physical happens to us. When there's something we enjoy doing, we have power to do it. Well, you see, we need to realize that to do an extraordinary task, we need extraordinary power. And just like naturally we get power when there's something we want to do, God says, I have power to give you for something I want you to do. And that power is necessary for our lives if we are going to follow Jesus and be examples to the world around us. Now, what this power is not is flamboyant, Psycho, weird. Jesus himself, in Matthew chapter 3, and turn with me there. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. 
And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, who I love. With him I am well pleased. Even Jesus was filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. In fact, his ministry did not start until this happened. Now, did Jesus have the Spirit? Of course, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't that the Spirit was not in him. His ministry could not start until the Spirit came upon him. The Spirit came upon him like a dove. It wasn't like a hawk. <laughs> Screeching loud. <laughs> I don't know how to make a hawk sound. Pretend that's a hawk. It wasn't screeching like a hawk. It wasn't quacking like a duck. Spirit coming upon you isn't some quack. It was gentle, like a dove. And then his ministry started. What happens next is very important, too, because after he is baptized and the Spirit comes upon him, and continuing in chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus, the other gospel says straightway, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert, to be tempted by the evil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones become bread. And listen to his response. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus said, Man does not live by bread alone. You see, as Jesus was tempted, he faced temptation, not as God, not as the Son of God, but as man. Jesus is our example of what a man is to be. A man who is filled with the Spirit of God, controlled by the Spirit of God. Jesus combated that temptation as a man. That's important. That's very important because that is our connection to who he is. He is one of us. And as a man surrendered to God, yielded to God, filled with the Spirit of God, he can overcome temptation. He can change the world. And he is what we are to be. If Jesus needed the Spirit of God to be upon him to begin his ministry, do you think we do? Yeah, we do. We definitely do. Again, to do something extraordinary, we're going to need extraordinary strength. We need this to take place. We need God's power in our lives. Okay. 
So, how do you get it? What does it take? What do we have to do to get God's power? Well, we see throughout the book of Acts, it happens in different ways. It happens them waiting. It happens them praying. It happens people laying on of hands. It happens... It happened to Jesus when he was baptized and came out of the water. There's not a system that makes this happen. In other words, there's not a three-step program to getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. This isn't how it works. Do this, this, and this, and you will have the Holy Spirit come upon you. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, If you then are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? What do you have to do? Well, you need to ask. And you also have to surrender and desire. A couple of weeks ago, Danny's study did a great job when he talked about you have to thirst. If you guys didn't get that study, you should get it. You can listen to it online or get the CD. It was a great study about you have to thirst. You have to want this. And that's exactly the case. We see what it is to be filled with the Spirit. Paul writes in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit, that means the producing of this life that is controlled by the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So Paul talks about this life in the Spirit and what it means to be walking in the Spirit. And he gives this list of things, love. Joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's quite a list. It's quite a list that if we look at it and see, where do I stand up to this list? Am I patient? Do I show self-control? Am I loving? You answer that. I'm not going to answer that. Fear I might incriminate myself. But these are supposed to be the things... In our lives, and he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature and its passions and desires since we, what? Live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. When I was in fifth grade, we were, or sixth grade, yeah, sixth grade because we were graduating, and that's when you graduated and went to middle school, junior high school back then. And you had a choice. To be involved with the graduation, you could either be a part of a play, uh, you could do something else, I forget what it was, a long time ago, or you could march in this little marching thing that they had. And so I chose to be in the marching thing because it was easy. You know, <laughs> that's me. Set my goals high. Uh, and so I was a part of this marching thing, and we had to follow the person in, in front of us, and whatever step they would step, that's what you had to do. And basically, they showed one person, and everyone else had to follow this guy. Well, the guy in front of me, his name was Tony Scalacci. And Tony Scalacci was the character, and he goofed off a lot. And so, Tony, I'm walking behind him, and Tony's doing all this kind of stuff, you know? And so I'm looking there at Tony, you know, and I'm like, what am I... And so I had no clue what to do because 
of Tony Scalacci. I can blame him. I remember him to this day. If I ever no, the teacher, Mrs. Freed, she looked like a teacher. She an old teacher with glasses, gray hair, and slumped over. Mrs. Freed didn't see Tony Scalacci. She saw me. And she came up to me, and she gave me a hard time. In fact, she slapped me. I know, that's what I thought. <laughs> and that's what I did. I laughed. <laughs> that's not a good thing, you know, but she, she slapped me. I, I forget. I think I deserved it, but... We won't go there. She slapped me. That was wrong. And so I got in trouble because I could not stay in step. Because to make this thing work, I had to follow the person in front of me. Well, we are to stay in step with the Spirit. We are to live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. He tells us also in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts or your affections on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so there seems to be this idea that my life has now been translated to another place. I am to have an awareness of a spiritual life that I'm not naturally aware of. I'm to be mindful of spiritual things. I'm to set my heart, my affections on the things above. I am not just living a religious life here on this planet. I am living a spiritual life here on this planet. And to keep in step with the Spirit of God, I have to be mindful of the Spirit of God. I have to be empowered by Him. I have to be aware of Him. I need to be dependent upon Him. So that this life can be in me. And it's an amazing thing, an amazing thing as we go through the book of Acts because we see these disciples who previously were afraid and running for their life when Jesus was taken and arrested. Peter, who denied him three times, and they all scattered. We see something change in them, and all of a sudden, they have boldness. All of a sudden, they get beaten, and they thank God that they're worthy to be considered worthy to be beaten for Jesus. And, and James says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and trials because there is an eternal work, a spiritual work that is taking place in you. Something more is going on. Do you see it? Are you aware of it? Are you walking in step with it? Because unless you're aware of this, unless you know that there is this spiritual life that we are to be connected to, we will be oblivious of the power that is available to us in this spiritual life. Just before I came up this morning, Cynthia shared a story with me, hope I don't embarrass you, about her going to Sam's soccer game and one of the ladies there and her talking about the cancer and 
She said, I, I don't know. I was just thinking to myself, I, I need to be a good example of Jesus. And this lady came up to her again and said, you encouraged me so much. You, you really just helped me. And she was like, what did I do? What did I do? She was a witness. She was mindful of other things. And God uses that. And she was encouraged by that. The disciples could go through and take Jerusalem out because all of a sudden, Jerusalem ain't no big deal. I've got a God who's a lot bigger than Jerusalem. And Judea and Samaria, oh, forget it, the ends of the earth. Later on in this passage, Paul says, you know what, I need to go to Rome. Rome was the capital of the known world back then. Paul didn't stay where he was. He said, I'm going to Rome. Paul, what are you doing? Don't, don't you know that's the Roman government? Paul, don't you know my God? Having a, a, a different perspective, having an eternal perspective, having God's power available to us, nothing shall be impossible. It doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want. It doesn't mean you're not going to have physical or financial troubles. It doesn't mean that. Remember, there is a spiritual life that is real, that we are connected to, that we are to be mindful of, that we are to be affectionate for, that we can receive power from. I need this power. You need this power. The disciples needed this power over and over and over again. Power as gentle as a dove, but able to change the world. Power that comes from God himself by his Holy Spirit. If your life is dry, if your walk with God is empty. Maybe you need to change where your affection is and to ask. James 4.2, it says, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill, covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your own pleasures. God is calling us to a higher life, a life that is dependent on him, a life that seeks his will and not our own. And to get the power, if you really want to live and change your life, to be empowered by God, to have a life that is an example of Jesus, you need to ask and set your affection on that you might live by the Spirit and keep in step with Him. What I want to do this morning is make opportunity for us to ask. Because if you're like me, you're probably saying, I could use some of that power right now. I could use some of that strength. I can use that in my life. I need that. Do you realize that God is more willing to give that to you 
than you probably are to receive. Because if you really want that, it can change you. Be careful what you ask for with God. Paul wanted to go to Rome. He got there. wasn't the way he thought. He got an all-expense-paid trip to Rome through the prison system. He didn't care. It didn't, it didn't stop him. It didn't slow him down. It didn't phase him. He went to prison. The guards got saved. Why? Because you cannot stop this power that is working the things of God in our world. Someone recently sent me a video talking about how Muslims are growing in the world and it's talking about, you know, in the years such and such, the, you know, the majority of the world will be Muslim. And it was one of those, dun, 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 you know, be afraid, be very, 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 very afraid. And I remember seeing this and I just think, you know what, right now, the biggest group that is being evangelized for the gospel is the Muslims. Muslims in Saudi Arabia, in Iraq, Afghanistan are being one for Christ like never before. I'm not afraid. There is power that will change people from the inside out. It caused the Roman Empire to recognize Christianity. It will cause the world to recognize it. I'm not afraid. But what I want is that power. And so right now, Danny's going to come up, and we're going to have a time of, of just continue singing. As we are singing, I pray that you would have a heart open to ask God for this power and let him minister to you. If you would like prayer... Alex, can you come over here too? And Alex and I will be available for prayer just off to the side. So if you just want uh, to have us lay our hands on you and, and pray for you, we can do that, that you might receive just that power. This isn't something weird. This is something that we need if we're going to be examples for Jesus. So let's take some time to ask and to open our hearts to the things of God. Father, I sense that there are struggles that are taking place even. Those that I know, there are more. And there is a need for your help in our lives, God. Some of us are afraid, Lord, to step into this relationship with you any deeper because we know if we do, it will change us. And so fear is holding us back from committing our lives more fully to you. I pray your perfect love would take away that fear, Lord. That we would recognize that what you take from us, you only give what is better. And I pray that you would open our eyes to see those things even now. Father, I pray that you would give us upland. I pray that we would recognize that this city is no match for you. And Lord, what I mean by give us upland is that you would help us reach all the people around us 
with this great news and this great hope that comes from Jesus. May we have a passion for the things that you are passionate for, God. May our minds be set on you and not so bound by all that's in this world. Lord, we need your strength. We need your power. I pray you'd give us it today. I pray we would ask again tomorrow and that we would live a life in step with you, following closely to you, that we might be your example to those around us. Lord, embolden us. We do pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.